0: of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Todd Michaels. He is the founder and director of the 315 Project. Todd, thanks for being on the show.
1: Zach, it is my pleasure, brother.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to have you. We've we've had a, quite a few conversations in the recent months, and I'm, I'm excited to to. Share and explore what we've been talking about. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your ministry background and experience as we kind of lay some foundations for today's conversation?
1: Yeah, I'll give you the super quick origin story and you can ask me to elaborate if you want or we can share it at another time. So I uh, came to Christ at 35 years old. I'm 49 right now. And about four years into my walk, I was uh, minding my own business in the internet marketing consulting world doing B2B marketing, and a pastor challenged me to consider getting baptized, and as a part of that at the megachurch, I was required to tell my story on video and let it go public, and that basically gave me spiritual vertigo, but I wanted to take a next (laughs) in my walk with Christ. So I went through this process uh, and as I was going through it, both as a you know, follower of Christ and as a internet marketing kind of tech guy, I said, man, this is an effective way, maybe historically effective way to help people tell their story and to capture and share those stories using the tools of the age. And after just like trying to tell everyone that idea and everyone saying, that's a great idea, but that's not our mission, you should do it. I very reluctantly started a ministry on two (laughs) thousand twenty for the 315 project, really just hoping that if I did what I could do as a layman, that maybe I could demonstrate what's possible with just intentionality and that others would come along. And it was meant to be an open source cooperative project and certainly nothing I was imagining still leading after 10 years. I thought that we would put ourselves out of business, frankly, and that's really the idea. And so, out of out of that,
0: as you said, spiritual vertigo, you realized, hey, if if I was a little bit fearful of sharing my own story, especially in a video context, I wonder if that is what uh, the rest of Christendom is experiencing. Maybe I can help get people over those fears and barriers to help them share their stories and share their testimonies.
1: Uh, actually. When I shared my story, I said, "Okay, I'm immature. I don't have a story. I'm a fraud. What will people think?" And mm-hmm. I knew that I had an issue with it. But what I told my pastor was, "Man, I'm sitting in the balcony with a plethora of influential business leaders that, frankly, have walks far deeper than mine, with greater platforms than mine, because I know them from the marketplace. And like, why in the world wouldn't we give them the opportunity to to share their story?" Why do you have to get dunked in a tank? Why isn't there the opportunity for everyone to share their story? I never thought in a million years that, that those mature Christians that I sat with would be as fearful or more fearful than I was. <laughs> but what I learned is that the vast majority of Christians are in some way hesitant to resistant to sharing their story in such an open, public way where you can't take it back.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm sure there's some Barna quote to support that at some point, huh? Um, to to give us some context to today's discussion, how do you define story within the context of ministry?
1: I saw that question in our pre-notes, and, and I think the way I think about it, you know, words can be dangerous because if, if His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts in we try and explain things or compartmentalize things in words. I think that's one of the ways we get in trouble. I, I can just tell you what's in my heart. To me, when I hear story, it, it has a component of being known and, and knowing the Father, knowing what He's done for you or what He's doing for you or what you've seen Him do. So you might take a definition of, a, of someone who has witnessed something in their own lives or around them. That's bearing witness, giving testimony, you know it's uh i I think about that question all the time, and I'm like, okay, so it's linear you know conversion stories, sure, you could check that box, but that's not what the woman in the well did, that's not what the guy outside the gates did right they they're just simply testifying, all I can tell you is this is what I know, and so yeah. that to me is story um, and I was focused originally on video stories because as a b2b internet marketer i'm like my gosh what kind of efficiency and effectiveness would happen if we weaponized these word-of-mouth stories uh but as i get older and hopefully a little bit wiser and maybe a little more flexible and less zealous i'm opening up to the you know there's so many mediums and ways to to capture and share stories that um you know, we're we're starting to look at more holistically ways to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I love that the the testimony, hey, I just I just wanna share what I saw Christ do in my life, the woman at the well. Like I don't I don't know anything about this dude, but he told me everything about my life and I just have to share it because it was miraculous. Right? And I think when i def- when i say story when we're talking with ministry leaders often is um the tendency is to run to okay let me tell you about my ministry the strategies that we use to do the work or fight the cause that we are we exist to to fight or let me tell you about the data and statistics that are centered around this cause that we're working to resolve um th- that's what i what i've run into is, as as an agency owner is is the definition within the the ministry space the ministry sector I, around story is let's just talk about our ministry and and that's what we're so desperately at least i'm so desperately trying to get ministries to like change mindset towards like no I'm, that's not what i'm talking about when i say story what i'm talking about is how has christ transformed life in an individual or a community let's talk about that and let's share that story and and because we know that those stories are happening on repeat at scales and rates that we could not even comprehend um but those stories are powerful and so that that's that's what we are when you define story. When I, when I talk about story, I'm saying what has Christ done in a individual's life to transform that individual, and that doesn't necessarily have to be now that person is a believer or a follower of Christ. There can be transformation taking place pre-commitment to following Jesus, right? Um, but what is God Absolutely. doing in someone's life? Yeah, I heard a story. I heard a story the other day um, about. A this is coming out of uh, I'm not going to share the location just for security purposes but a a Muslim man had a dream and in that dream he saw Christ on the cross and instead of the King of the Jews sign that you know we all know is was nailed to the cross um, the sign had a phone number in the dream and and Jesus picks up his head in this Muslim man's dream. And he says to the guy in the dream, I want you to call this number. And so the guy calls this number and it's a believer in that location, a follower of Christ, had no idea the phone call was coming. I mean, it's miraculous that the Muslim man even remembered the phone number from his dream to call it, but he did. He calls it up and the guy he who answers the phone starts sharing Christ. Well, The, the Muslim man told him the dream and the guy goes, oh, let me tell you about Jesus. And he starts telling him. And the Muslim man just kept saying, God forbid it, God forbid it, God forbid it, hangs up, and it isn't now a follower of Christ. But, oh my goodness, you can see how God is pursuing that man and pulling at his heartstrings. And just like, how awesome is that to hear a story of how God is pursuing this dude through a dream. And he hasn't made a commitment to Christ yet, but that story is Edifying to the church so we can see as the body of Christ, oh man, God is moving in some miraculous ways regardless of any of our efforts. And so those that's the type of stuff that we we want the ministry space to start telling more often because those stories are powerful.
1: Well, that that appreciation and valuing those stories that don't tie conveniently into a KPI of a typical church, you know, it's attractional. Mm-hmm. Those are the stories that I think God uses in, in the body of Christ is almost like a tapestry, right. A, a, a journey of all of these pilgrims that are at some point on their own walk that God's got a plan for them. You know, I think, think of all the um, conversion stories that come, that can be concocted and, Almost microwave, you know, microwave cooked up for churches that are, or ministries that are, you know, hyper focused on baptism, hyper focused on um, salvation, hyper focused on conversion stories, right? And and yet that's that can't be helping. It's not it's not taking the church in the right direction. Just simply because, how many people do we know that have had that two by four experience? They've, they've maybe shared their story. And they want nothing to do with Christ, and it's like, uh, to your point, I think it can't be overstated uh, that we need to be on the ready to help capture and share any evidence that God is alive and working in the lives of His people.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Um, why do you think storytelling is so important? Boy
1: everywhere you look these days it's like whether it's secular or faith-based you see all these psycho psychological sociological cultural nuclear family like workplace um to tell one story has a healing property to both the the storyteller and those that hear it it mm. um allows us to be known and, and connected i think it's just innate it's it's in us i, I I'm not an archaeologist or a sociologist, but I I've I've seen glimpses of, of studies and research that just, you know, say how important storytelling was around campfires and, and cave paintings. It's like it's it it's who we are in us. And mm-hmm. I think that when we're not able to create the space and the margin and the permission to take our masks off and and know that someone cares enough about us to know who we are, that, that what we have to say can help us grow and help others grow. Uh, we lose probably the, one of the greatest vehicles to connect and unify and empathize. Um, so your question is loaded. And it, I'm, it's, I can't wait for us to interview <laughs> people that are actually at the forefront of that knowledge. Like, why is storytelling so important? not just to the individuals yeah. in their walk with Christ and their ability to make disciples, but for us as the body of Christ to, to stay in, in community. Yeah.
0: Well, there, I mean, th- yeah, there's the ramifications of storytelling and, and the effects of storytelling on us as a species, like created in the Imago Dei. We're created in the image of, of our creator, who is a storyteller, his primary use of communicating with us was scripture, which is a bunch of stories, right? I mean, that's an oversimplification, but at the end of the day, he's he's chosen to primarily speak to us through his word. And so if we're created by a creator in his image, and he is a storyteller, and that's a part of having that community um, that we know we so desperately need as as people um it just makes a ton of sense that storytelling is powerful it's it's effective it's at a a, a wide variety of things like there's a, a, a infinite number of applications for it and and so yeah I, I think it obviously is a loaded question but there's just significant um effects of storytelling on on us as humans as people um
1: yeah. When, you told, when, when you just unpacked it like that, I wanted to go back and, and say, what a dumb question. Like, why is storytelling important? It's almost like, because you helped me realize even in this moment, it's like, my gosh, it was obviously important to Moses because he wrote all mm. those stories down. It's important to David because he wrote like a 100 or so psalms, which is just another way. I mean, he's literally in those psalms testifying to what God's done through poetry and, and song and verse and Jesus obviously, as you said, believed stories was important. Paul, without Paul telling stories and sending these letters out, we're not s- sitting here having this conversation, most likely. Right. So it's like sometimes I think a question like yours is can be so dismissed. Why is storytelling important? It's like that could be the most disruptive change provoking question if we really stopped and looked at it in the context of the word and the spirit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's a good segue to my,
0: the next question. What are, what are, what do we think the areas or what do you see as the areas in the ministry sector, both the church and the parachurch space, right? What do you see is lacking in that sector when it comes to storytelling?
1: I think having, Observed and worked with churches for 10 years and and been the, again, reluctant director of a nonprofit for 10 years. I think there's a starkly anemic willingness to co-relate the power of story to help drive growth and transformation in an organization or a people group. We have so many great programs and ideas and strategies to help grow our churches, grow our ministries, get more outcomes. But when I cynically and, and naively look at Revelation twelve eleven, where we're going to overcome the enemy with what Jesus did on the cross and the words of our testimony, I'm like, you think we'd be giving more precedence and priority to asking this question that no one really seems to be asking? It's like, ought we not to be able to drive growth and transformation if God's in this and leading us through the words of the testimonies of our people? And I just think that that, to me, it starts with that. Is there a willingness to what I call, um, you know, take a step back, back up. If you really, truly want to begin to understand and see ways that you can drive growth forward by leveraging, you know, the power of personal stories and technology. And
0: and we've talked about this offline. I mean, at great length, we've had many conversations, you and I just Riffing on this and talking about this and and ideating, but um, this idea of story poverty across the church landscape can you can you introduce this idea and share why you think the church is in a state of story poverty?
1: Yeah, man, I've I've enjoyed these explorations, and I think the idea requires like I love that movie Big with Tom Hanks, you know, where where he he kind of gets in the body of an, or he goes back to nine years old and he sees the world through the eyes of a nine-year-old. And when I step back and I look at that, I'm like, if 1% of 1% of 1% of people in the church are either able and willing and ready to tell their story and or having the ability to capture that story so it can be shared, by any other met by any other industry by any other business by any other you know world social issue that would be like abject severe earth-shattering poverty mm-hmm. so you you know you and I even asked some some business leaders almost like just almost testing some theory we said uh, what percentage of people in a people group like a village or community if they didn't have regular access to clean drinking water would you start to think that that community might be in a state of you know moderate to severe poverty and the answers that we heard back were like you know if 20% of the people didn't have access and i'm like wow because i know just looking around and doing thousands of hours of um studying and research i can't find a church <laughs> that has maybe you know, where eighty percent of the people in the church congregation don't have access to the ability and the opportunity to tell their story and have it shared using technology, you know, so it can be leveraged. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you start to ask. I mean, I wrote about this about four years ago because, you know, there's there's kind of two ways. There's many ways for someone that with a calling on their heart to try and help change improvement. You know, one is to try and pick a fight and plow concrete, which has never worked (laughs) for me. (laughs) And the other is to just kind of abide and love, like love people and change. And that's a lot more pure, but there's that tension between if you're trying to end poverty in a village where people are losing their lives because they don't have access to water or food, like, are you going to wait and love and hope that they change, or are you going to drop, try and proactively advance forward and push change? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's a tension. It's a, it's a tension that uh, challenges my heart. It challenges my pride (laughs) in a, a lot of ways. Cause you know, you're just like my heart breaks when I see so many people in the church that are, unable or unwilling to tell their story. But it also breaks knowing that there are people that are willing and able to tell their story, but their church for whatever reason is unable or unwilling to provide the opportunity for them to tell their story. Um, Mm. You know, so so that's a long winded answer.
0: Uh, Well, and yeah, if if, you know, the primary, if we break down the primary calls of of Jesus's ministry to love God, love others and make disciples like that, that last one, make disciples, that the, such a crucial and important piece to that scripture tells us in all kinds of locations that it is the word of our testimony, right? Sharing our story. What has God done in my life is such a crucial and integral piece to making disciples. Uh, One of the conversations you and I had recently, you shared this analogy that I thought was just so powerful. And if I botch it, forgive me, but um, I think you said something like, if I told you there was this organization that had 50,000 locations across the United States and that organization did, I don't remember what you said, either 14 billion or 114 billion a year, In revenue and the primary role of that organization, that 50,000 location organization, their primary role and purpose was to help people read, but they only were able to help one out of every 10 people that went through their programs read. What would you say about that organization? I mean, clearly, Organizations should it shouldn't exist like they're dysfunctional and not using and stewarding those 14 or 114 billion dollars in funds effectively i'm reading this this book called from megachurch to multiplication right now and i just i've just started but one of the one of the quotes our statistics in this book is the average cost per baptism in the typical american church Is one point five million dollars, and and so if I back to that analogy, if I told you there was this organization that was existed to help people read and they only helped one out of every ten people read, you'd say that was a gigantic failure of an organization, and that is the case with storytelling across the church landscape back to that Barna quote we kind of hinted at earlier. I think it says something like nine out of 10 Christians will never share their story in their life of their walk with Christ. <laughs> and I don't know if I'm quoting that, that Barna quote exactly right, but it's something like that. It's, and, and that if discipleship is a primary call of Christ on our lives and storytelling, is an integral and crucial piece to making disciples like if if our, the word of our testimony is going to be the thing that pushes back darkness and 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 is the thing that or is a crucial piece of the puzzle to making disciples and and making disciple making movements um whether it's here in the United States or globally like you and I have talked about this before I have a very global international bent towards my, where I'm feeling the Lord pull and you're your heart is more towards the Western church, but, um, like there's, there's, we've missed the importance of our story and our testimony across the church landscape. And man, what if we could, what if we could start making a shift in that, in that mindset, making a dent in how comfortable, believers are in sharing what God has done, What how comfortable people are in sharing what God has done in their life in, in those transformation stories, those testimonies. Uh, I think that the, the ramifications of that could be really significant and exciting.
1: Yeah. I mean, to, to, to be willing to take a serious look at the issue of story poverty, right. Would have to start with a stark, and again, very disruptive question about the status quo, simply asking, is my church in a state of mild, moderate or severe story poverty, right? And even forget what the answer actually is, because you can find that out, right? We're, we're coming up with ways to statistically kind of survey the soil. The question is, does anyone care to ask the question? Yeah. Right, and that takes courage. And what I found is I've I've said, God, give me empathy and a heart for these pastors because the last thing they need is someone picking at them, telling them another thing they have to do. And I'm like, where do I go with this message? And it's like it's the businessmen and women, it's the philanthropists, it's the people that give faithfully into the offering plate or the tithe, but they kind of check their brain at the door when it comes to stewardship. And you you hit on a perfect example. I've tried every single like meme I could think of to, to get folks to have this conversation. But it's like, if you knew for a fact that your church was spending $100,000 on average to help someone get baptized, quote unquote, acquire a customer, and you hate to use that language, but I'm just... I'm sick of kingdom business leaders that aren't open to start a conversation or slow down to have a conversation. Like if the church is running like a business enterprise, let's help it improve if we can. If it's mm-hmm. not running like a business enterprise, then let's just go straight biblical. But, you know, part of the reason for story poverty is you well know, name a church that has unlimited resources and time and human capital to go around capturing more stories, right? So even from a stewardship standpoint, if I say to a businessman, if you love your church and you're a businessman and you understand the basic principles of cost of customer acquisition, right? Can I ask you a simple question? Why do you think it is that your church might be spending $11,000 to acquire a customer, get them baptized, but they're not willing to spend an average of $100 to help get that story of life change back out to the outside the walls of the church, which we would simply call a word of mouth customer testimonial. So even if your church is like completely attractional, right, it still makes no sense that you wouldn't be taking a percentage of your resources to share and celebrate those stories of life change to at the very least is is, is sacrilegious and business oriented as it sounds to lower your cost of customer acquisition right yeah. because if we don't start thinking like this and some many are and I'm praying that those that are hearing this message are like man I got something I want to say about this too like we want to hear from you but it's like if we don't start thinking about this it, like what what do you think is going to change this this cycle of raising a bunch of more capital to build more wings more buildings and then we see a bunch of buildings getting shut down and it's like where do you stop the madness and it's it's not rocket science but you know i had a 24 year old young man i was took him to coffee and he was like this is not a resource issue it's a priorities issue and he was yeah. wise beyond his years and i'm like i wish these pastors and these business leaders that love these pastors would get together for 5 minutes and have a intentional conversation about how they can use storytelling to advance their outcomes and you know the, the health of their church, and I know I'm trusting God's going to make those conversations come to light through through this podcast and and through the folks that you and I know, and I'm so excited to just almost sit back and and share the table and just hear what God has to say about all of this.
0: Yeah. Well, and the I mean we've talked about this a little bit already, but the. The applications for storytelling are run the gamut of, of the ministry space for his glory. Well, how he is, he is glorified when we share of what he's doing, right? When, when we share of, Oh my goodness, this is what I saw God do in this person's life. He's glorified by that for the edification of the church. When I hear a story that that Muslim man and the dream that he had earlier in this podcast, like those kind of stories for me, they almost every single time bring me to tears. Oh my goodness! It is so encouraging and edifying for me as a part of the body of Christ to hear how God is moving, how He is pursuing unbelievers, how He's pursuing believers, how He's working in the lives of people to um, to transform life. And then for like you talked about that um, the the outreach applications when we when we share these stories of how God's moving. I mean, look at the current landscape of the church and everything going on in our culture right now, so much division, so much separation politically, so much division within the church. That's been so sad to see. Um, Like regardless of where you stand on any of those things or any of those topics or any of those political um, ideologies, you can't argue with my story. If I share with you what God has done in my life, there's nothing that you can do to argue against that that's what he's done in my life i'm getting and and so it it transcends all of these this crazy separation and division when we share and testify of what god's doing so both for his for his glory for the edification of the church for outreach purposes storytelling it just runs the gamut of application for all of these things within within the church and and ministry Sector context, and I just think it's. I am a firm believer in in the power of story and the need to be obedient to do what He's asked us to do. Go testify of what I've done. Um, especially that the man at the well, right? He like, I want to follow you. No, don't follow me. Go tell all that I've done for you. And the next time Jesus comes into that community, there's 4,000 people that are followers of Christ because that guy just said, I don't know. He just healed me. Like, I can't tell you anything else, but this man, Jesus healed me. And you have 4,000 believers the next time Christ comes through that town, or maybe it was Paul. I can't remember, but you, you see that like, it is such an important piece to the gospel message is is sharing and testifying of what God's done mm-hmm. and in the lives of people that he's pursuing.
1: I don't think theres I don't think there's a pastor on the face of the planet that isn't also moved by the type of story you just mentioned. I mean, most pastors, I've got I've to meet a pastor that doesn't appreciate and understand the power and the importance of story. And I think that most of them are just like almost hopeless, right? It's like, how am I going to add one more thing to our church? And I think mm-hmm. as you and I continue to explore this idea, of ending story of poverty, I think the, 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 the rally cry is this isn't something you need to take on and add to your church. You simply need to mobilize and unleash your lay people like, like a prayer ministry, like let the people help each other tell their stories and, you know, There's, there's such a, there's such a, you know, let the people tell their stories, but there's such pressure on these churches and these nonprofits to crank out these amazing stories that there's no place to rise up a group of, uh, lay storytellers. Yeah, I I think that's, and that kind of segues into my next question.
0: I think that's one of the, the barriers is this perception that you know, especially for those mega churches that are used to the the high production value worship, high production value story testimonial stories that they do once a year on Easter, uh, like uh, we can't do this on a regular basis because it costs too much to put together a film like that. Like videographers are expensive, whether we hire it in house or outsource it to a contractor, it's just expensive to do something like that. But there's there's so many other ways to tell stories in audio and user-generated content. I mean, we have the power of these mobile devices is insane now. Um, let's equip and train and, and raise up our people to to use that type of technology to get these stories out. It doesn't have to be the high polished, high production value story. And that's coming from an agency owner who yeah. is like, that's what I do. Like we do high production value video storytelling. Like. Everything that we do, whether it's brand development or websites or graphic design campaigns, all is so that we can have a holding place for the stories. Like that's our core offering and the best thing that we do. And I'm telling you, as an agency owner who does high production value stories, we gotta, we, we've got to find a different model for communicating these stories because it's not working these $30,000 silver bullet films aren't working. And, and there has to be a better way to share these stories and share these testimonies on a more regular basis, on a more consistent basis and, and like free these, especially these large organizations, the larger churches, free them up to be okay. Sharing content and stories that isn't super polished and, and high production value stuff. Um, I mean, there's, We're already starting to see trends that people don't trust that stuff anyways. Those really polished commercials from the Nikes of the world, people are not trusting that content anyways. And so let's go create content that they are trusting. Um, So I'm mean, i getting off topic a little bit, but I think that is maybe one of the barriers. What other barriers do you see um, for ministries telling stories, churches telling stories of how God is at work in the lives of people? all over the world? Are, are there there's some things as you've pursued this idea over the last 10 plus years that you see reoccurring and coming up on a consistent basis?
1: Yeah. It's, it's always the urgent, right? It's the urgent video that needs to get produced by a certain date with a certain budget with limited resources for some editorial or strategic purpose. And there's no margin in there to create what I would describe as a, almost like an agricultural process to evergreen story harvesting. Like you, you, you ought to have a church that's has a regular evergreen process to cultivate stories, right? So that when you look at, you cultivate the stories so that you, and you rise up people that can help each other tell those stories. Right, I think there's this there's this shockingly ignorant or arrogant or naive lie that we believe as maybe church attenders, maybe as pastors. Hey, if if a dude has a story in their heart and they're willing to share it and they have an iPhone in their pocket, I'm sure if they wanted to, they would do it. But that's not that's inherently not true. Right like mm-hmm. th- think of the th- think of the money time human capital and resource investment this church has spent in let's say the 1950s 60s and 70s let's say, let's say the, the 20th century in helping disciples make disciples that can and will tell the difference Jesus has made in their life to other people in their neighborhoods in their workplace in their you know communities right like there's a big emphasis on that but That doesn't seem to be translating into the digital realms where you have infinitely greater reach, infinitely greater effectiveness, infinitely greater efficiency, right? So it's like when I look at, I think part of the problem is, and we've talked about this at length, but when a church is doing all it's can with what it's got and they're able to create that one beautiful video that everybody celebrates and claps to, like at some point you got to just be real, like, man, these guys got to check that box and move on because they got a hundred other things they got to do. And the danger, I think, one of the biggest contributors to story poverty, most people in those pews that are watching that video will almost rest on their laurels and say, man, that's incredibly powerful. And no one will look around the congregation and say, yeah, but there's 99.9% of the people in the life of this church that aren't going to tell their story, right? So I think it, it, it takes, um, you know, what Barna calls revolutionaries. This is not going to change through an incumbent approach. It's, just, it's simply not. There's too much inertia. Mm-hmm. But I think in the same way, you know, uh, parachurch ministries, kitchen ministries, food bank ministries, if, if some people can get together and basically what I call standing up a story ministry, you can stand up a kitchen ministry, you can stand up a story ministry. And if you can train and equip, 15, 25 volunteers to work in your kitchen and serve amazing food to hundreds of people for different ministry purposes and reasons, you can certainly set up a couple cameras and help people tell the difference Jesus' made in their life and capture it for them. And in addition to serving spaghetti, maybe we could serve up some stories of life change.
0: Hmm. When, and as if if any of the listeners of this podcast have heard other episodes that we've done. We do a lot of, we've had a lot of guests on the show that have talked about disciple-making movements and disciple-making principles and all these, there's a a long list of multiplicative um, reproducing disciple-making models that exist. And we've had a lot of those leaders on the show and that mentality, that training and equipping mentality of those strategies, I think so applies to this space. Like there, there are some barriers. People are fearful of sharing their story. They're fearful of being vulnerable, especially in a video context. Um, there are resource barriers, there's technological barriers. And so, um, a part of this idea is, is that raising up training, equipping people, uh, lay people and otherwise to, share their own stories and, and be equipped to go teach others to do the same. And, and I, you know, I don't know if this is going to look like coming alongside those organizations that are already doing it coming along. So like it, it's going to be a coming alongside a partnership idea that is going to have any kind of dent in, in what we've talked about in ending this idea of story poverty. And, and so um I guess that kind of segues well into, Th- this last question, if our, if our listeners want to learn more about this idea, if they want to learn more about how we can all start working together, partnering together, having discussions around ideating on this idea of ending story poverty, what can they do?
1: Yeah, I, yeah thanks for having me on and thanks for um, being so generous with your platform. And, you know, I, I'd ask them to pray. And I, and I think, you know, it's, it's coming on me right now. I think, I I think I'd invite every listener to just ask. And regardless if I work at a church, if I work at a nonprofit, if I support a church, if I support a nonprofit, if I'm a consultant or a coach or an agency, I just ask each one of us to turn to the Lord, you know, God and say, God, I'll, almost, I'll, I'll just do this real time for me. God, God, I acknowledge and confess that there are testimonies that are, being held captive. There are testimonies that could be unleashed for your glory. Would you give me the courage to enter into conversations, both with you, Father and Spirit, in communion, but also in community in the pursuit of your will for your glory? And, mm-hmm. and I think it starts with a posture of, at least for me, almost that acknowledgement that confession, almost like weeping for us as the body of Christ. It's like we repent. that's what I feel like. God, I'm sorry that we've put so much time and energy into elevating our own brands, our own little kingdoms, our own congregations, our own churches. Mm. Through your grace, we're still here. Like It's not too late to repent. Father, what would you have us know About the stories. Right? What what can I do? And so there's one thing that I think that anybody and everybody can do, and and we're trying to make it so simple. We've got this domain, endstorypoverty.com, and we got a little form on there that says, if you want to learn more about how you can help end story poverty, (laughs) fill out this little form. Man, I think if people would intentionally pray a prayer like that in simply be intentional to fill out a form like that. You have no idea the ripple effect that that might cause. And that doesn't matter if you're a congregant, you're on the finance committee, you're a pastor, you don't feel like you have a voice or influence. You do. Right. That's how movements start. That's how change happens. But I think I'm looking for and inviting people to come together and say, God, we, we, we can do more to help people know who you are by simply helping people that have been changed by you tell the difference that you've made in their lives. And mm. what could be more precious than that? And I think it's, you know, I'm even thinking of like one of the prophets in the books. It's like, like let let us turn our faces towards God, right? Like, I almost feel like God's saying like, hey, you guys have turned your faces away from me. And this is like something that's so simple, so simple. I mean, I'm even thinking right now, Zach, in this moment, you know, what would it look like for a church? And I know there's churches out there that are doing this. I know there are, that simply had the equivalent of a a clipboard, a binder, uh, a video camera sitting up (laughs) in a Sunday school classroom. It's just like, if you'd be willing to share and testify the difference Jesus made in your life. Before you go on with your busy day, before you go on with your work week, in the same way, in the same reverence, you might approach communion or adoration or your prayer closet. We want to just invite you to testify the difference God's made in your life. But you know what happens, and I, and I and I, it sounds so cynical, right? But the approach I see, and, I, and I'm and I, Zach, I gotta know that there's churches that are doing exactly what we just said right there. I just don't know who they are yet. But what typically happens is like, let's throw some stuff up in planning center and come up with a campaign or some banners that say, share your story. Right. But I think what I've learned coming out of my own life experience as a follower of Christ, when most Western American Christians see a directive to share their story, for so many of us, it just breeds guilt and shame. mm. I think very few pastors that I know are saying, man, you're broken, I'm broken. We all struggle with fear, pride, apathy, dualism, selfishness. But if we have any chance, any chance at all laying that stuff down, it has to start with being able to be courageous and being willing to not even tell and share the difference Jesus has made in your life, but to let him reveal it to you right in that quiet place in your heart and that's way off topic but brother i think this is a spiritual warfare issue i think it's the spiritual warfare is the thing that's causing the chaos that keeps story poverty from happening so maybe my prayer would be like man we just appreciate people signing that form and just praying with us and seeking the lord that might be a great place to start (laughs) yeah
0: yeah, if you, if you are interested in, in learning more about this idea and in coming alongside us as we explore this and pray about this and, and find churches and organizations and partners that want to explore ending story poverty, you can go to endstorypoverty.com and, and just sign up to learn more. It's just a email form fill out and we'll be reaching out with, you know, what that looks like next. But um, this has been awesome, Todd. I really appreciate you being on the show. Can I pray for you real quick?
1: Always, brother, always. Father, I just lift up
0: Todd. I thank you for his passion and his uh, desire to help the church share what you're doing in the lives of uh, believers, in the lives of unbelievers, how you're pursuing people, how you're pursuing hearts and minds. And um, I just, uh, we just lift up this idea that Uh, him and I have talked about it at length and um, we just lay it at your feet and ask you to be a part of this. Um, We know that story is so important to you. It's such a, um, it's deeply ingrained in your heart and, and you've ingrained it in us and um, pray that we would be obedient to do what you've called us to do, to share our stories, to make that an important piece of our, our lives as we, Pursue you and loving you and loving others and, and making disciples. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for Todd and his uh, willingness to come on the show and, and talk about this stuff. Um, and uh, pray that you would bless his ministry and pray that you would just go before us as we pursue this idea. Jesus, thank you for who you are, for your invitation and to being a part of what you're doing. Uh, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, God. Thanks, Todd. Appreciate you being on the show and, uh, we'll be in
1: touch. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ministry grow show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it. If you rate and or view us on the iTunes store and make sure you subscribe. So you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the ministry grow show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at And lastly, if you need help telling
0: your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative
1: at ReliantCreative.org. See you next time.